Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hello everyone, DSO here from dadstartingover.com. And before today's episode, I want to talk about a couple of pieces of business. Number one, I write and sell books. And you can learn more about them at dadstartingover.com slash books. You can learn more about my bestseller, The Dead Bedroom Fix. My second book, Now What? A Guide for Men Starting Over in Life After Infidelity, Breakup, and Divorce. And my third book, Red Flags. You can find these at all the major retailers, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble, as well as Apple Books in both uh, downloadable and uh, audiobook format. So check those out, dadstartingover.com slash books. And lastly, I also have a members-only area to the website, and you can learn more about that, the DSO fraternity, at dadstartingover.com slash join. For $14.99 a month or $149 per year, you can join a growing group of men, hundreds of men from all over the world, who get together on a regular basis for live meetings. We also have member-only articles. We have member-only um, private Facebook groups where you can talk to fellow members on a variety of different topics. And also a portion of the proceeds goes to the Movember Foundation, which is a charity for men. So check it out at dadstartingover.com join. And now on to today's episode. At long last, in the flesh, ladies and gentlemen, Mrs. DSO herself. for having me so some of the listeners have quote met you before the people that are members of the DSO fraternity you have been on two or three of our meetings talking about a variety of different issues but this is the first time that we've had you on the public podcast to our 40 some thousand listeners so welcome and I thought we'd just treat this as a interview of Mrs. DSO number one to prove that you're a real human being and I'm not just some fat basement dweller who makes up this whole dad starting over, I have a wife thing, and to show that you're a real person, and just to um, get your perspective on things. And we kind of have a big announcement to make about us personally, but we'll get into that later. So first things first, these people don't know you. Let's just start at the beginning. Where are you from? Germany. Well, all right. More specifically. <laughs> well, I grew up in Dusseldorf, which most people don't know. Um, it's a 
600,000 people city in um, western, like in the very west of West Germany, <laughs> if you are still from amongst the people that lived with a wall in Germany. And uh, I would say it's about two hours from Amsterdam that helps people find where it is on the map. But you and I did not meet in Germany. We met in the States. What brought you to the States? I uh, completed medical school and part of my residency in Germany and then realized that I needed to get um, some different exposures for uh, good training. So I went to the United States and I did my fellowship in Cincinnati at the time that we were meeting. Very cool. And your specialty as an MD is? Pediatric surgery. Very cool. And so a lot of people listen to this saying, whoa, all right, that's pretty de- So we could go on and on down a tangent of being a female surgeon in the United States. That's like a whole podcast in itself. Probably. I've been around where people have assumed you were the nurse. Mm-hmm. When I say my wife's in medical care, oh, she a nurse? What hospital? Oh, no, no, she's an MD. Oh, she's a pediatrician is usually the next step. No, no, she's actually a pediatric surgeon. And that gets a lot of people going, whoa, all right. Um, so that's just a little background on you. Uh, were you married before? Yes. Oh, were you married when you came to the States? I sure was. Oh, how cool is that? So what the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say this. Uh, residency is a hardship on a couple, on any couple. We were both residents. We already had been through ruthless training and long distance relationship with 120 hour work weeks in Germany. So I think we already had grown apart. And by the time I moved to Cincinnati without my husband, mind you, um, I think things just like got the final kick of death and um, he fell in love with somebody else. And that was the end of it. So within six months of my fellowship in America, I uh, found out over the phone that I had been dumped after 15 years. Ouch. So that's a, that's a lot to swallow in a relatively short amount of time. New place, new job, new country, mm-hmm. new everything else. Going into a big new, oh, what do you call it? A new stage of your career, of life. And then this. That had to be pretty traumatic. Yeah, it was uh, rough to say the least. I think my initial instinct when I asked my then husband on the phone what was going to happen with us and if he would please talk to me and explain what was going on. He had been kind of ghosting me, mind you. Um, my initial instinct when he said we're done was I can't live I don't know how to do this and it took me a good three days until I was able to drink eat breathe normally I was completely falling apart at the time Mm -hmm. but then you're like most of the people I talk to all of which are guys and that same kind of reaction this acute emotional reaction of I don't know if I can deal with this this is this was unexpected to the clear-headedness that comes later of realizing yeah, this was coming for some time. Yes. When did you think you hit that point of, oh, well, duh, why didn't I see this coming? Um, I, I think it took a long time, to be honest. I think the very first instinct was, well, somebody who dumps me like that probably was not a good partner for me either anyway. So I think very early on did I realize that this was probably a good thing, but it took me a good six months, really actually a whole other relationship to realize that... Um, this marriage was not meant to be mm-hmm. from the start. Was it inherently unhealthy, you think? Or was it just, yes. just two people mismatched? Uh, both. Both. It was a mismatch. Very, we met as high school kids, so we were very immature. We were kind of awkward back then socially. We were nerds. Um, 
yeah, socially just a little bit awkward. And we met and we just, I think we were <laughs> two peas in a pod at the time, but I think that awkwardness did not help us. And as we progressed in our relationship, we never, never overcame some certain d dynamics that were just not healthy from the start. Mm -hmm. Now, being a female MD, there is the stereotype of, well, there's this concept I know you're familiar with, and it's a lot of guys that read a lot of the man-related stuff online. There's a concept called hypergamy, which is, you know, there's monogamy, polygamy. Hypergamy is the observation that women typically don't partner up with people that are below them on the social strata. So in other words, the CEO of a company is not going to marry the garbage man. Mm -hmm. She may date him. She may have intimate relations with him, but partnering and saying he's my man, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. So that makes dating for women pretty tough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've sat down and talked to a lot of your colleagues, and I hear that right out of their mouth. They'll think, yeah, I'll date the plumber, but, you know, almost like, are you silly? I'm not going to marry the guy. So that makes dating tough. But you um, jumped pretty much right into the dating pool. Mm-hmm which I can totally relate to having done the same thing. Mm -hmm. So tell us how did that go? And I guess we can jump right into how you and I met. Well, um, you know, the last time I had dated was in high school in the 90s. So things had changed a little bit by the time 2013 rolled around. And I think I just very blindly stumbled into the world that is internet dating. I downloaded pretty much every app that's out there and tried every platform just to mostly get a sense of my market value. You must imagine I was a 32-year-old woman at the height of her fertility <laughs> with the biological clock ticking, freshly dumped, thinking, oh my gosh, I'm damaged goods. What am I going to find anyway? So I had very low self-esteem, low hopes that I would find anybody. So I just threw myself out there and whoever <laughs> responded to my profile on any match.com, OkCupid, you, you'll name it, um, I just kind of spoke back and kind of had some back and forth text or emails and kind of saw how things were going. I wasn't really selecting for salary or level of education in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Did you see yourself going into this as any kind of a catch at all? Did you like not at all? Not at all. You didn't go into this if these guys were lucky to. No, I was like, who would want me anyway? I have a hundred hour work weeks. I'm divorced. I'm German. <laughs> I just did not see myself as a catch. What did you find was, um, the overall tone of the American men versus the German. I know you don't have that much of experience with the German men because you kind of went into the one serious relationship yeah. and stuck it out for 15 years. But can you get a sense for the overall difference between the personalities, if you want to say that? Yeah. Um, so here's what I did. Um, when I started dating, I dated just everybody. I went out on a date with everybody who did not seem like a total psycho and who seemed interesting enough for a good conversation over coffee. So I wouldn't call that dating. I would say we went out for coffee. So I went out with a good half a dozen guys and this is all I did. Coffee. Mm -hmm. Nothing more. <laughs> and I don't want to come across as a tramp. Um, and so we... Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> so we... What I noticed amongst all of them is that they're so much more polite and the traditional gender role of I'm mm. the gentleman, I open the door, mm -hmm. I pay for food, um, I, you know, I chauffeur you around, I treat you like a princess. That was the biggest, really, uh, difference between the two countries. Because in Germany, you're pretty much equal. Having worked in and made friends with a lot of American ladies and so forth, some single, do you get a sense where they have a different level of entitlement as American women compared to German women, for example? I think so in many ways, yes. Do you think I, what contributes to that is a little bit of a, well, that um, 
treating him like a queen, like you just talked about, opening the door, let me take the check, let me do this, let me do that, let me swoon over you, woman, let me, um, what's the word, court you, tradition, in traditional ways that does that lend itself to these women having that, well, I'm kind of a big deal attitude. Maybe. I, I think that the American society's relationship with women is very complex and messed up. So I, I think in a way we put them on a pedestal here, but at the same time, there's a lot of misogyny in some structures. So, you know, no maternity leave and really very little help for women that need help. So I, I don't really know how to answer that. Well, with that, um, we're going to open the door for you, pay for your dinner and go for those traditional provider role. There's also this sense of, as a woman, know your place. And your place is not necessarily at the dinner table with us, us guys. You have a different little table over here. This is your role. And that's still very much an under underlying theme when it comes to yeah. not everything. There's yeah. still some, there's still a lot in our society where women will be, you know, you're on top. The rest of us, us men are kind of scum of the scum, so yeah. to speak. But in some ways it's huh, no, you know, pat you ladies on the head and say, no, silly lady, this you, you only get eight weeks off for maternity yeah, I think, leave. I think and you think it. beyond that is silly. And I th- think you guys' gender equality is very patchy, whereas the gender equality in Germany is a little bit more across the board, but still has its own patches because we are still looked at um, as terrible moms if we return to work hmm. once we have kids. So there's stuff going on there. You too. also heard uh, from a colleague in Germany, if I remember right, this was several years back, him saying, We don't like to be training women to become doctors because all they right. do is run off, have babies, and never come back again. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think gender equality across the world in every Western society is still a, an ongoing battle, and it just is diff- looking different here in the States than in the in Germany. And I think a big part of that is that you guys still see yourselves as gentlemen, um, and there are some traditional gender roles that I think are just a little bit upheld, held up a little stronger here than maybe mm-hmm. in Europe. Okay, so here you are in, in the storyline. You're in the States freshly divorced, uh, you started dating around, you did get kind of connected to one gentleman, we don't want to go down that road too far, But and you guys were an item for a few months? Uh, yeah, like four, three to four, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. a little longer, I don't remember, and I repressed that memory. <laughs> he ended, he Not to go down that again, but he ended up being a not-so-savory character, he had his Correct. issues, he, yeah. and maybe some similarities to the ex-husband in some mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. Um, which made you just kind of take a step back and kudos to you where you were the one that ended it and said, this is just not healthy. Yeah. No I think, good. I think you're uh, spot on in hindsight, what happens when somebody breaks up with you out of nowhere, your brain is still in full relationship mode, mm. whereas they, they checked out. And in a way I was trying to get closure for, from my previous, like for my marriage. And what I did is I subconsciously selected someone that was equally broken, a little different, but still equally broken and, and got my head in a space of realizing this is not good for you. You need to finish, uh, you need to end this. So I think in a way I was using that person to end my marriage emotionally and, and psychologically, if that makes sense. Yeah. They were a human bandaid as well. I like to call them. Which yeah, I mean, it was a, a rebound thing. romance. Yeah. I mean, it felt nice to be swooned and, you know, treated well. And he was actually a, a really good guy in some ways. Um, but he had some very deep issues and they were very much alike. If you compare them to the issues that my ex-husband had. And I think subconsciously I was drawn to that character mm-hmm. because I was still processing what happened with my marriage. And then shortly thereafter, you and I met and the first time. How how many months was it after the breakup with that guy? Uh, 
like a month. Yeah. So, I mean, this is important. Yeah. You're still in that. You, when you were with him, you were still in relationship mode with X. Even though there was no interest in getting back with X, there's still some psychological stew yeah. boil, bubbling away in there oh, that yeah. says, I'm in relationship. And you carried that to him. You're with him. All right. I don't want to be with him anymore. Now you're on to me. Yeah. And, and you and I met uh, online first. Mm-hmm. And then we it took a while until we yeah. until we met in person. We chatted off and on, nothing overtly sexual or relationship wise, just in a friendly tone for a little bit, and then agreed, hey, let's meet. Yeah, for, for, I don't know how it was for you, but the thing was when I um, got out of that rebound relationship in my head, and I was seeing a counselor at the time, which I think is a is a good thing to do when you're getting over a major breakup like that. Um, I remember sitting down in the counselor's office uh, and said, you know what, I'm done. I just want to have a relationship with myself and figure out what I want and how to how to have a good life, finish my fellowship, etc. So I wasn't really looking for a relationship. You might ask, then why were you online on Match.com and all those places? And again, I think that was mostly a, hey, while I'm trying to figure out who I am and what I want, I want to make sure my market value is still high. <laughs> And, and that's really all it was. So when I met you online and we had a really nice chat, I was like, dang, I really like this guy, but I'm not going to date somebody who's freshly divorced. In fact, I think we even kind of mutually agreed to that. We had a distance of about an hour and a half, two hours between us. Yeah. And you were super busy. I was super busy. So, all right. And it was just this casual back and forth. Yeah. Well, not just that. I had a visa that was expiring. Oh yeah. And and, yeah, of course. And you're saying, and I'm also heading back. To Germany, yeah. here, not too distant so future. We, like, oh, okay. We well. really kind of agree to just talk about our experiences dating because you and I started comparing notes. Hey, we mm-hmm. we got divorced or separated around the same time. We had been dating the same person for that long, so that was the same time for both of us, and we were just finding ourselves in a similar phase in recovery. And we were just on the beginning kind of showing off, hey, this is how dating is going for me or giving each other advice or just listening to each other's experiences. That's how I, how I experienced it, that we were, we were more buddies in the same yeah, boat. I'd say so. And then it, it, there wasn't a hesitancy to meet. We physically, there were the logistics, we couldn't meet at the time, if yeah. I remember right. It was yeah. just like, well, I'm, I'm booked from now to the next three, four weeks. And yeah, I got this kid thing and this kid thing and da 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 And finally, we eventually... Um, let's go meet at a basketball game for a, a local college team. And yeah. we ended up meeting there, and uh, the rest is history, I guess you could say. Then we had a, a week between <laughs> all it's kind of funny where it was, man, I'm just so busy with work and the kids and everything. All of a sudden, we meet each other finally once, and we're like, how about next week? Yep. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> it was. It. Next weekend it is. <laughs> I, I must admit, I mean, you, you have to admit that too. We were uh, getting a little flirty on our text messages with each other. So I think one of sure. the reasons why we decided to meet was that the chemistry was getting kind of out, going kind of mm-hmm. was was a little out of hand, and I was wondering, are we maybe maybe making this up in our heads, and maybe we should meet just to make sure that this is really not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think once we met, it was clear that there was actually real chemistry, and that maybe this was going somewhere. So mm-hmm. I think we we just needed to get to that place to realize that we needed to commit to a relationship with each other. So, so then fast forward, I was going to say, so how long? several months into dating back and forth mm-hmm. dating back and forth why would you say that dating period mm-hmm. uh, driving, driving back, back, and, back and, forth. and forth yeah for sure. that's what i want to say um in your mind when was i your boyfriend 
Uh, that was pretty fast. I don't sleep with somebody who's not my boyfriend. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Pretty pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do. So no, I was <laughs> so I would say I don't know. Maybe like uh, okay, this is the real deal for sure thing. Like a few months. Yeah, I was gonna say like three four months into it. Yeah. Um, your mom came and visited from Germany, if I remember right. This is all kind of fuzzy because you know, this yeah. has been seven years ago now. My mom visited to, after we had been dating for two months, and I already considered you my boyfriend at that point. Was that how long? It, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, and she came, and so I'm like, yeah, I'll meet the mom. Mm-hmm. And she was heading back to Germany, and uh, yeah. that just had dinner, and that went well. In hindsight, maybe a little quick to meet a parent, but the fact that she was coming from overseas and was there, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of weird to say, no, I'm not meeting her, it's too soon. So, yeah. Okay, so let me jump back to a topic that I just hit on briefly 10 minutes ago, and that was that concept of the hypergamy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, In your defense, kudos to you for this, it never came up, or at least I never overtly got the sense from you as Miss Surgeon. Um, or at the time, you were a surgeon in training. I never got the sense of, I I better, I, I don't measure up to her financially. I don't measure up to her education-wise. I'm not of the social strata that she is, or she will soon be here when she becomes an attending physician. That never really occurred to me. Um, and I didn't get a sense from you that that was really important to you either. No, you know, I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need no man to provide for me. <laughs> so I think that's, again, where the European generals might might play in a little bit, that I just never saw my husband as the fulfillment of my social and um, financial. financial needs. I need a husband or a partner because I want to feel loved and have a life with them, and I don't care who that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you, you... You have a college degree and you have a solid job and you have a good and stable income. So I think that is very different. A bare minimum. Yes. I mean, you don't have, it's not like you are. If I had said I. I, You're uneducated, living. I hurt myself and I'm unable to work and I live with my mom. You might that's have been different. like, ah. yes. So that's what I'm saying. You're you were yeah. a functional member of society with a stable background. So I think that's that's really not, all not, I wanted. Not 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 to inflate my ego or anything, but does my ambition and drive to make this DSO thing, for example, work? Does that of course work but towards my your traction? Does course. that earn me points? So to well, speak? it earns you points in the sense that it makes us more alike. So I want to date somebody who I can relate with and who or relate to and who has similar drives in his in their lives and who has similar interests. So I think, you know, no me, Miss Go Getter and Miss Type A getting the next degree and then the next degree and the next degree, if you were the guy that says, Yeah, I'm just gonna hang out on the couch and watch football all day, I don't think we would have enough in common. Mm-hmm. So I think just you being somebody who seeks the next opportunity and is interested in, in learning more about life and the world, I think that's just that's what attracts me. It's not so much whether you're making money off of it or not, but of course that's a nice a nice side effect. I think you are very succinctly putting what is very common in the world today amongst women because women are more um, successful than men in general on paper nowadays. They're coming out of college. College graduates are more female than, than male. Um, when they're in companies, there is definitely a push within the corporate world to, uh, you know, Sally, the VP is doing really great and she's a woman. We want to bring more women into the, into the boardroom, so to speak. Um, whether that's good or bad is up for debate. Uh, you know, you could go on talking about the, the glass ceiling at work and talking about, uh, oh, what's the term? 
for when they want to quota system. You know, mm-hmm. we need so yeah. many of this and so many of that, and et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm hearing from a lot of women, like your colleagues that I've talked to, is, man, it's just really tough getting a guy. Mm-hmm. And to hear you say that I'm a strong, independent woman, they say the same thing. But at the same time, like I say it, like your friend Maria, for example, out of her mouth is literally, no, I would never date a plumber. That's out of the question. Yeah. I think you're in the minority in a, a little bit. Um, well, I didn't say that I would date a plumber. <laughs> but you would. Okay. Um, but I, I actually, Maria said that, and I said, well, what if the plumber has 60 men working for him and 50 trucks and he makes correct, a million a year? Different. And she said, no, actually, she said, no. Yeah, even, she, even then. But to that's personal taste. I. But that that to know. me that to me was her saying no because, um, uh, the, the image the social image we have, she she right away probably in her head said here I am going to dinner parties and I'm going to be asked what your husband do what your husband do and I want to say, give the big wow yeah but how of, sad is that of you, course you it's want sad. to get a, a wow out of mm-hmm. yourself not out of your husband's I, I wrote function a, I wrote in my book the now what book of uh, I had a guy who said. I made more than my wife. She worked for a big fancy company and she was making five figure, high five figures working for this company. I made six figures doing a landscaping business with his brother. He sold stuff on, bought and sold stuff on eBay. And he was also, he had a rental home or two or something like that. And when you combined all those together, he made a really good salary of six figures. And his wife kept bugging him, why aren't you applying for a job at my company? They're hiring. He's like, why would I do that? And it finally came out that, well, because... She was a little embarrassed to tell people, yeah, my husband's an eBay seller, landscaper guy. I think that's very shallow and limiting. But here's my question for you, because is the the same thing that applies here Mm -hmm. with your hypergamy Mm -hmm. is uh, the opposite. How would I call that? The hypergyny? (laughs) (laughs) You mean how us us men look at women? How did you not get appalled or repulsed by my um, type A, this is my career, I work 80 hours, take it or leave it? I mean, I did not have a lot of time. How many times did I leave you at 4 4 a.m. in the morning or let let you sit in a Mm -hmm. restaurant because I got paged to the hospital? Um, I don't think that affects men as much as you think. Maybe I'm being narrow-minded, but... I guess I'm a pretty independent guy, as you know, so I'm not very needy in terms of, oh, man, I never, I only get to see her a day and a half this week. That sucks. She doesn't cook me dinner? She didn't make me dinner. She has to run off to work. This sucks. I don't like this kind of relationship. I think it was more of, uh, oh, I get my a lot of my me time, and then I get to see her in little doses. Yeah, I'd like to have more doses or longer term, but still, I get to retain me. I guess that's how I looked at it. It was a positive thing of, and I was still very much in the post-divorce figuring myself out world. And so I didn't, that gave me that cushion of not feeling like I was jumping right into a super serious 24-7 relationship. Like a lot of guys I know were, they date for a few months and then she moves in. No, we were just the opposite. And we've been the opposite of that for seven years now. It was two independent people. And when we get together, it's awesome. And mm-hmm. that's, that. That's perfect. I, I like that. Yeah, me too. Personally, some people are like, mm, "You don't, you don't see your wife at all this week." Oh, it's like, yeah, it's fine. We see each other on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, then separate again. Then we see each other for a whole week straight, and then we separate. And for those that don't know, I've talked about it in some other podcasts, um, and we're jumping way ahead in the timeline here. But our relationship is such, and it's complicated because she couldn't get a job where we have our home in Kentucky because she's not American board certified. Blah blah blah. Jump to. Um, Some place in Kentucky hired her. Uh, Well, before that, it was Maine. Mm -hmm. And we were flying back and forth between Maine. And they gave you some good amount of time off so that you could come back to Kentucky for a week, 
and then long weekend and so forth. And then uh, Texas mm-hmm. hired you, same thing. In fact, even better deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, better money, more time off, and that's worked out well for us. So for seven years now, we've never lived really together. Under one roof. No. For an extended period of time. No. I think the most we've been together is like a month mm-hmm. at a time. <laughs> when you had your back surgery, I was with you for a month. Yeah, and after fellowship. After fellowship, you're off for a month. Yeah. And then, so it's always been back and forth. And we have two homes now between Texas and Kentucky. We bounce, bounce back and forth between the two of them. And there are times it sucks. For sure. Um, but Especially from your perspective as a woman who wants to come home. And when you just have a cat who's just meowing at you and that's it. It'd be nice to have a little bit more in life, a partner to come home to. And I am coming home to three screaming kids. So there's not a lot of time where I just go, <sighs> There's not relax. a lot of, we don't get a lot of the healthy adult balance that other people get when they come home to have a spouse that supports them in their daily efforts as an adult to just survive. Mm-hmm. Like we have to still survive alone day to day because there's no other grown up in the household. So I think that's the tough part. Where I just, I like this week, you've been with me the whole week. Um, and when I came home after a really long day on Thursday, you just started boiling the water for my pasta. That, that was just amazing because I never <laughs> have that. Mm-hmm. So I think th- that's maybe the one hardship. Mm-hmm. But I think what I appreciate the most about this ongoing long distance marriage is that we, as you said, we get all this me time which I think is extremely important for a healthy marriage. I think that's extremely important for a sexual marriage. That too. <laughs> I think it's, uh, you know, not to make a joke of it, but so many people, especially in these uh, pandemic times, they're on top of each other 24-7, literally. Yeah. And you have to create that, that desire. Yeah, and they, they, ha- yeah, they have yeah. no separation. They have no independence. What do you do? Well, I do this with my wife and that with my wife. Okay, but what do you do? No, not a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> I, I watch my football, and she goes off to the basement and does her crocheting. It's, yeah. oof, not, not a lot of uh, separation there. And See, just, and yeah, when I don't hear from you for like an hour or two over texting, I was like, oh, what is he doing? Well, <laughs> I wonder what, what sexy stuff he's up to right now. <laughs> so I, in a way, that just you know being separated from one another for a few hours, and you just do something that I don't know about makes you more interesting to me, too. Mm-hmm. And that's why I mentioned that in the Dead Bedroom Fix as a... Um, I talked about in the book, what are some characteristics of the quote, typical lover? And one was the lover is somewhat scarce. He's not just constantly, what are you doing? Where are you going? There's, yeah, lover's there's a, not a lapdog. <clears throat> there's an air of mystery. He has his own life. He may see you, you know, if you have a date Saturday, you may not hear from him until Saturday morning to check to make sure you're still having the date. And that builds up that healthy anxiety and that sexual tension. And we've managed to keep that going for uh, seven years now. And this is the perfect segue though. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> because things are changing for us and here it is folks <laughs> the announcement is is that for us we have another little one on the way don't we that's true as we're recording this as we're just talking about having sex as we're recording this it is January and we're going to have the baby come July yes so we waited till the first trimester is done. We just had a little scan yesterday. Baby's kicking. Everything's looking good. All the organs are there. Everything's fine. And you, Miss MD, that's all very important. It was hilarious listening to you talk to the doctor as she's scanning away, throwing out all these doctor terms. And does she have all four of this and five of this? And what's the distance between this and this? And is there evidence of this? And it's just laughing. And everything is fine. So we have a little daughter on the way. 
And as a guy who has been there and done that three different times, albeit with a completely different human being, we don't need human to being. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we don't need to go down that road. <laughs> the completely different entity. <laughs> um, but still, been there, done that. And so have, you know, the thousands of guys listening to this right now who are yelling, no. Um, I, I, I told you that I had a question planned for you. And I did not want to prepare you for this question. But this is a question that I'm going to ask. And a lot of guys are going to pump their fists going, yes. Because, let me let me preface it by saying this. A, a criticism that I get for my writing is that it is so much focused on men. Here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do to be a better dude overall. And the crux of the dead bedroom fix was, which in turn results in a better sex life for you. A lot of my other writings is, here's how we falter as men, and here's how we can do better, and blah, 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 blah. And a lot of guys, like on my Facebook ads and so forth, will chime in with, oh, yeah? Well, what about the women? How come it's always on us? God damn it, it's not fair. And they got a point. I mean, there's, there's some truth to that where a lot of it's onus of responsibility and being the man and the leader is thrown on the men. Yeah, yeah. So my question to you then is, all right, we got a bun in the oven. Married for seven years now. It's been seven hot and heavy years. Not to get too personal there. Sorry, people, if that puts visions in your head that you don't want. But we've been a very sexual, close, loving, sweet. I, I got no complaints, to be quite honest with you. So, woman, wife, what are I know what I'm going to do to keep things going. Not necessarily, I'm not necessarily just talking about in the sexual realm, but in the whole keeping the marriage in a positive direction realm. What are you going to do, Miss Mother-to-be, to make sure that we stay bonded in the way that we both know we need to be? Well, you know, it's all very easy to talk about this stuff in theory. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what I want to focus on in theory. The practice may look very different. Once I have a, a little one that's keeping me up at night with my still ongoing 60 to 80 hour week, a nanny, I don't know how I will manage it, but I also believe that women can do more than they sometimes believe they can. Um, I think the key is that when the baby is there, I still have to remember more than before that there is a partner that came first. So I want to make sure we have date date nights aside more than just once a month. Like I want to make sure that when you visit, we have a designated nanny here that it's not just you coming here after your whole week with the kids and then you have more time with kid. Mm-hmm. You also want to have some sexy time with your wife and going out for dinner and maybe even getting a hotel overnight when the baby's older. So I think that's the part that's really important to me that we as a couple still get our alone time. Another part that is important is that I get back into physical shape, which I'm trying already to not get completely out of shape. <laughs> um, so I think those are parts that are important to me. Also, I got the sense from you, or you mentioned that before, that some men subconsciously, it's not like they want to, but they just get a little jealous of that that oh, rush yeah. of love that mom feels for the baby. Absolutely. That love is so unconditional. That's mm-hmm. a type of love you've never seen coming from your woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, hopefully, that I love you that much that you feel loved and not feel threatened by a baby. But nevertheless, the love that a mother has for a baby is still different. So I want to make sure that you still know that you are my number one, just on a different scale. Obviously, Mm -hmm. the baby and you are not on the same love scale. 
Um, so, you know, I want to continue to be sweet, give you little surprises, notes, all those things that we have been doing. But is it going to take even more effort and more time out of my even more diminished schedule? Yes. And so I can't tell you how that will translate into practice. But I think the first step is to want to do it. Mm -hmm. And one thing I heard that stuck out to me, though, is you just said something about women are capable of much more than what we think. Um, I think that's it sounds admirable. And on paper, it sounds great. But I also think it's a downfall of many women, which is I can do it all. God damn it. And I'm capable of it all. But I can't. <laughs> See, you know how many times in my life I have been told, oh, you can't do this because you, can, you can't become oh. a pediatric surgeon. Yeah, you can't go to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't work in the U.S. You can't get a visa here. I have heard that a million times. And you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I always made it work. And we, you and I had, this, had a lot of conversations before we were um, trying to conceive this baby. It's not like we just did, oh, let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of talks and you've brought up these concerns before. And mm -hmm. yes, I know it will challenge me to the maximum. Um, but I trust you that you are a partner that will support me in whatever you can do. And sometimes that support will be just time listening. out. Yeah, or saying you can't do this. Yes, you need. You're not help. a superhero. Yeah. Yes, but um, that, that's the point. I think. And financially, we're at a place where having a nanny is realistic. Yes. Having somebody that sits in here a lot of the time and helps out with some of the day to day. I mean, we are so blessed to have that, and there are so many people that don't, including me in my first marriage. Man, it was just us. And it was uh, me working from home, and boy, that was stressful. And she had to go back to work pretty quickly. And uh, there was daycare, you know, throwing your baby in a room with a bunch of other newborns. And it was just, yeah, so it's, ugh, what a stressful time. I but, think we have the benefit of me being a lot older than when you were, how, how old your ex-wife was. I don't remember, late, late 20s, still in the middle of building a early, career. Early 30s, mid-30s when she had the last one. But, uh, yeah, you're not too far off. Yeah, so I think being almost 40... Um, being in a stable career, financially settled, is very different. Um, mm -hmm. I feel much more at peace with everything. I don't feel like I'm living from paycheck to paycheck. And um, I think it, it can be comfortable. It's still going to be stressful, but I don't think I worry too much about that, knowing what we've already accomplished, what other couples do not accomplish. What do you feel we've accomplished that other people do not? long-distance relationships for seven years mm -hmm. um, overcoming the challenge of having three kids from a previous marriage that's a that's a big no-no for many mm -hmm. many people mm -hmm. um, you know my little hiccups in the beginning where I was just still processing my my lost marriage and your hiccups also we've overcome the statistics that 70% of these marriages end up in divorce so far is that, the, is that the stat? Seventy. Seventy percent. You marriage? told me this. No, I think. No, no. You, I think you're. I think it's no, like no, no. sixty. Yeah. Seven, I think the seventy percent you're getting is that seventy percent of divorces are initiated by women. No, no, no. I'm oh. getting the statistic of seventy percent that have kids involved from a previous marriage oh, and where you've that. had a previous marriage. I see. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Other little the, complication. In maybe there. then okay. I found this, but it's it's a nonetheless whether it's sixty or seventy, it's not very good statistics. Mm. <laughs> I think a big part of that is that uh, once you've experienced it and then you come out of the other side and you go, that wasn't so bad, that kind of lessens the sting or the um, forbidden nature of divorce. Yeah. And I think I know I can talk to a lot of guys who are like, I'm in my second marriage and I'm much stronger headspace and my wife, my new, my new wife threw out this red flag and I just said, yeah, that's it, talking to the attorney. But the funny thing is, 
See, I look at it exactly the opposite way. You've been through a marriage before. You've made that yes, yes, I do statement before. Very light, in my case, really lightheartedly. And now my threshold was a lot higher to do that again. Mm -hmm. So it's not for me that the threshold of getting divorced is less. The threshold of getting married was so high that for me to decide, yes, I'm going to marry this man, that required a very high level of faith that we can do this. But that doesn't address the issue of 70% fail. No, but I think that's where I'm different because a lot of people oh, say, oh, I'm going to marry again. I can divorce again if I don't like mm -hmm. it. And I did not look at it that way. I, I said I cannot fail this a second time. And I think a lot of those people in that 70% group uh, jumped into it way too fast. That's, a, that's another possible Moved in point. together, combined. She's got two kids. He's got three. Let's move in together after knowing each other for six months. It's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and I think some people do that just because for that reason that I mentioned earlier, they're stressed. They need another adult supporter. Yeah, absolutely. Or they just need to go back to that tried and true um, dynamic that they're used to, being in a relationship. A lot of people just do not like being alone, period. Men and women. Uh, for even for a matter of days they just feel antsy and they feel alone and they jump to the online dating the prostitutes whatever it may be and sometimes they drown out all their sorrows and drugs and alcohol and overeating overspending and a lot of people just don't know how to cope well and, speaking of prostitutes so what is your what is your expectation <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, me, let me see where this goes go ahead what is your fear or your expectation um what I'm going to do when, or, or how this is going to play out when I'm in on maternity leave and I don't feel sexy and I just don't feel like anything. What does I'm prostitution just, have to do with well, it? Well, because, I mean, that's what you could resort to. I'm trying oh, to get to what's the game plan that you have in your mind. Like, well, I how, thought, how do you imagine okay. the first six months to be going? Like the first three months I'm going to live in the, together in the house in Kentucky because that's my FMLA. But then the, the next three months, how do you picture us getting date night, getting mm -hmm. sexy time? Like, you know, I'm going to feel like a fat blob. How are we going to get over all that from your perspective? What are you going to do on your I can, end? I can see initially it's going to be a lot of me pushing. Nope, nope, nope. Come on. Let's go. No, we're going to do this. No, we said we were going to the gym three, four days a week. We got to go. Got to do this. So it's going to be a lot of leading on my part, simply because I'm not the one who had his body ravaged by a human being ejecting from my genitals. <laughs> So I have, I have that going for me. <laughs> the more clear-headed body's in better shape, and I don't have the hormonal fluctuations. So you're going to need somebody to help out with that. And, and also, thankfully, with the nanny's going to help out with that too, with the day-to-day -day stuff. And it's going to be me saying, "Nope, you need some help with this. No, you can't do that. No, we're not doing this." And um, it, that can get a little old after a while, especially if I'm exhausted and I just want to decompress and. Yeah. Collapse. Well, it sounds like it'll change the dynamics quite a bit to you being being the boss. Well, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, it seems wow. like no. I mean, not like you're not right now. I think I think right now we're equal partners. Yeah, it's there's but not I so think, much me going get up, woman, let's do this. It's, we just uh, we just both jump weak. up and go. Yeah. So, so your be... approach to me being weak is that you're going to step it up and say, yep. um, instead of being weak with you and being a couch oh, potato right. with you. Which, I'm by gonna... the way, you laugh at, but man, that is so common. Yeah. How many times do guys gain 20, 30 pounds when the baby comes? Yeah, so I think that's a big part because you know my competitive nature. So you know that if you stay in shape and you get sexier every day and I just get more blobby, then that'll... You hear that, guys? <laughs> there's No, there's the dead bedroom fix right there. Part of it is get your ass in the gym. Why? 
not only do, are you healthier and you feel better and you feel better about yourself and you'll live longer, but then magically your wife goes, I, I've been, I've lost five pounds. Can you notice? I think my belly looks a little smaller. Can I go to the gym with you? I ran five miles today. And a lot of guys like, man, that didn't happen until it's funny. A lot of men feel, uh, less respect for their wife as a result. Hmm. A lot of them feel because oh, you realize oh, I, I'm just this game. And... I'm just the man here. Isn't that enough to get her off her ass and get going and be the most attractive version of herself? Why do I have to step up my game so much? And beat you know, beat my ass up in the gym and, and lose twenty pounds. And why did it take the neighbor lady to flirt with me that finally my wife decided to jump my bones and act all super sexy and everything else? But we're kind of going off on a little tangent issue here with the dead bedroom stuff, but. Um, yeah, you just hit on something big there where you say you're going to see me staying in shape through all of this. So you're going to have that much more um, yeah. but you know, drive to do it yourself. I'm actually, I have a lot of worries, of course, about how this will change us as a family, how the, the three other kids are going to deal with that, how, how we're going to live as a separated family with a baby now. I think that'll mm -hmm. change a lot of the dynamics, maybe also changes how we, f we each other feel about being separated. But... I'm also extremely excited about being with you for whole three months mm -hmm. and having a new, finding a new normal in those three months and, you know, establishing some local friendships, like hanging out with our board gaming friends. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm having so many positive vibes towards this. And I think that's another point. I think a lot of women go into, into it with so much stress and oh my gosh i just have six weeks oh my gosh i need to learn how to pump oh my gosh we're going to have financial stressors i don't have any of that i don't worry about how we're going to survive those three months and how we're going to do all this i'm i'm excited about it because i think it'll bring new challenges for us as a couple to come out even stronger so I, that's why i try to look at it in the most positive way maybe that helps absolutely at the same time got to be realistic about things and we have to be uh ready you know always be prepared hope for the best prepare for the worst and uh the worst may be that it takes a you know a lot of physical toll on you we got to be prepared for that um, you have your back issues for those that don't know we talked about this before my you just had pretty serious two pretty serious back surgeries as of last year one, one year ago yeah wow that, that didn't seem that long ago and um, so there's a little bit of concern of what if that exacerbates your issues and you have the nerve pain all over again. And you know, so, you know, we'll deal with it when it happens. And we yeah, both so. are pretty strong individuals, thankfully. And we both cope pretty well when things get shitty. And being that we've lived together, we've not lived together, lived together as a couple, um, been together, I should say, as a couple, that um, we've seen a lot of life's holy shit moments already in these short seven years and we've yeah. dealt with them pretty well and i do think that a lot of issues often come from one partner being frustrated and projecting their frustration on the other one and i don't think that we have that dynamic well you know me and i know you we don't have issues of saying it's all your fault or or i just don't say a word and then six months later go Six months ago, you said this. Like, no, we pretty much let it out right then and there. Yeah, but that's why I think we have a healthy dynamic of how we fight, how we voice disagreements, how we make up, how we just talk things through. And I think that'll help us getting through those hiccups that I anticipate coming up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's also a, um, 
there's a big elephant in the room when it comes to men, and that is, man, once the kids come out, everything changes. And well, why is that? Well, there's also obviously the hormonal thing, the stress thing, all this stuff that happens to the woman. But there's also an underlying theme of, and this sounds horrible, which is the woman kind of says, I got him now. Now he really can't go anywhere. And if he does try to go anywhere, um, society, the law, everything in general makes life really hard on him if he tries to do that. Um, I'll take half of this, I'll take half of that, and I'll do this, and see you later. Um, So there's, there's that to contend with as a man, and... You, you walk that fine line as a guy. Really, I guess this could go for the women as well, which is I'm going to be your loving partner and your the father to your child, and I will be here no matter what, and you can depend on me. Notice I just said be here no matter what. I threw that out like it was nothing. That's not true. I'm not going to be here if all of a sudden you decide you're going to sell your body on the street or I find out that you're a serial killer or you have a secret drug habit. Who knows what? So all these kind of cross-the-line things. But for a lot of women it's kind of an understood haha gotcha sucker kind of thing and they test the boundaries a little bit more and they test a little bit more and a little bit more until it's perfectly clear that you know what i can literally get away with murder and this guy ain't going anywhere and it's our sense of obligation loyalty as men honor as men i i gave my vows number one and now that this little kid was spit out Holy crap, I'm, I'm, now I'm super, super devoted, no matter what. And that's where a lot of these guys see, you know, I've, I talk to them on a daily basis. Yeah, my wife gained 85 pounds when she had the baby. She went into some serious depression. She, as a result, she lost her job, yada, yada, yada. Well, what have you done to remedy these things? Well, anytime I say anything, she's like, what are you going to do, divorce me? To which I say, and then... And then I back off and we drop the subject and so yeah. forth, so blah, blah, blah. So where am I going with that? I don't know exactly as to say just letting you into the mind of a, of a man in these kind of situations, which is we're kind of painting ourselves into a corner, so to speak, but we don't necessarily have to. And I think there's an understanding between you and I of, no, this isn't an unconditional love thing. This is, yeah. this is and, conditional in a good, healthy way. And that is... Yeah. And that was a part of the conversation we had before yeah. we... Um, had the baby or decided to proceed um, was that we that that you said I'm not going to be there to save you in every moment that you need rescue once you have the baby because I'm gonna be living in a different city mm. and I said you know I don't expect you to you yes you are the dad but you're not the fixer of all my problems again that comes back to I'm the, I'm an independent woman I can take care of myself um, yes I'm gonna need your support but at the same time, I'm not having this baby expecting you to be my puppy dog mm. that retrieves whatever I need to have retrieved. And I think some women, because they know how oh, my man is now totally devoted, also perceive their ma- men as less masculine. Lesser because, than them. Yeah. Yes, because mm. during that time when the baby is little, a lot of men also really turn into these really devoted, I'm going to get diapers, sweetie, what do you need? Can I massage your feet? Like Some men maybe overdo it a little bit and treat you like you're almost like a disabled cancer patient or something <laughs> like that. Like they, You're still only a woman making a baby, but you're not sick in any way and you're still doing your full job. I mean, your job doesn't give you any credit for being pregnant so i think maybe maybe that's also contributing to that that women feel how oh, i got him now mm-hmm. but even more so i can act like a total brat and he can still be, he will still make me breakfast mm-hmm. so it's important to me to uh flex those boundaries so to speak 
or well, as I, a man and to show yeah. like, no, no, dear, that, that's not the case. This is, I'm still the same me. You're still the same you. Yes. And if you let go of yourself and if you're mean to me or if you mm -hmm. mis mistreat me, then, uh, well, there are boundaries there. Mm -hmm. I think that's the point. You have to keep your boundaries up. Indeed. So how shall we end this? I was going to say, can we just make out now? <laughs> That's not appropriate for the podcast. This is a family show. It's not. But still. I think uh, maybe we should uh, do a follow-up once the baby is here. Oh, that'd be a good one. <laughs> An FMLA follow-up. Yes. Like well, I do, I do do one, uh, do, do want to do, <laughs> I want to do another one of these. There we go. Uh, about specifically sex and how we keep the spark alive and everything else. But then you run the risk of getting a little too personal. We don't want to go down that road. I always have this fear of one of my children finding this and hearing all kinds of things. So <laughs> maybe we have to design that a little bit better. Yeah, we'll plan outline it. that one. Yeah. But I think that that'll be a popular one because, as you know, the dead bedroom fix was a pretty big success because it talks about old SEX and sex cells, and I think uh, that's what a lot of people want to hear is hear about how two people can stay married and keep the spark alive, even after all those years and getting to know each other warts and all so for the next episode but for now thank you mrs dso thank you did a wonderful job and uh i love you i love you and i'm excited for our future uh, a little nervous but excited yeah, me too especially the whole thing with the no epidural <laughs> oh that's right because you're back yes oh shit that's gonna hurt like hell i'll just <laughs> sit back and laugh you know i i wonder if uh if I'll be in Kentucky at the time that the labor kicks off, well, yeah, could very well your, be. Get if your I get my ticket real fast, I was going to say I may miss the whole labor. That'd be awful. Shucks, but yeah. you said you didn't want me in there to begin with. Now you've changed your well, mind. Well, you know, I used to think that, but to be honest, I you have been such a rock in my life. You are the most amazing husband I can think of and so oh, I would want on. you to have <laughs> I would want you to be in there because I know this will take everything out of me and just having you there will be uh, extremely helpful for me to just get through so I think I'm going to need all the strength I have in that moment and I can only think of you as being capable of doing that so I, I'm going to have to have you in there I'm sorry you're going to have to go through this again and watch me I got away with the three without ever seeing down there. Yeah, so please don't go down there. But if I find out in some way that you took a giant shit during delivery... <laughs> okay, uh, come on, you have to delete this No, one. I will laugh at you right during the process. <laughs> take pictures. <laughs> yep, no, I'm not take, that's gross. I know you're German and all, but seriously. Wow. <laughs> but no, I will make fun of you thoroughly if I find that out. Yeah. Well, you will not go And you're screaming. Oh, I'll take a video with my phone of you screaming and crying. Play that back yeah, all the way. That's not going to happen. That's going to be awesome. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. Dadstartingover.com. Check out the fraternity. Dadstartingover.com slash join. And uh, she's laughing. Control <laughs> what? Just go right into my You're business mode. Oh, okay. Anyway. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information. Like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men 
that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.